Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, and Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Good. I'm somewhat reporting from a hurricane. No, uh, not not really true, but uh, uh, the uh, one, one stray windy storm from uh, from the hurricane just blew through my area here in downtown Mobile. So I guess the hurricane began and ended for us in about 20 minutes. But that's fortunate for us and not so good for the good people of Louisiana. They're about to get it. Yeah, they are. I hope that um, you have loaded up on your built bar because you might need it. Uh, you might not be able to get a hold of any food if, if things go awry. But uh, built bar will keep you um, full and satisfied and, and everything is delicious. We'll talk about them in just a bit. Um, all right, so Jimmy, uh, the, the biggest news of the day is not necessarily Alabama related, although it is in an ancillary way. Um, Will Wade is apparently about to walk into uh, an NCAA black hole. At least it feels that way. I think most everybody believes that Will Wade at LSU in their, in their basketball team, that's who I'm talking about, um, could skate because the NCAA has shown they don't have very much power at all anymore. But if they're ever going to make an example of, hey, we, we're we still here, y'all watch this, then I think punishing Will Wade could be a damn good start. That's exactly how I feel about it. I mean, in terms of – I know that the general feeling out there is that the NCAA is – more toothless than they used to be and less prominent. I think some of that comes from a misunderstanding of the power hierarchy when it comes to college football and people not understanding that the NCAA does not run or operate college football's postseason in any way. And that has led, I think, a lot of people to believe, gosh, do we really have an NCAA anymore? Well, the NCAA still is completely in charge of the rules and eligibility, and they have the power to issue sanctions and probations and things like that in football. They just merely don't operate college football's postseason or scheduling. They have just nothing to do with any of that, like they do basically in every other sport but football. I I think this is a good opportunity as you said, for the NCAA to remind everyone that they are still in charge and you can still be whacked. Personally, today, my feeling is going to be that that LSU is in deep, deep, deep doo-doo here, and they misread the room, and I, I think the NCAA is, is going to come out with, with a real vengeance here because I think you have a situation where LSU knew or should have known that they needed to rid themselves of a problem, but instead they doubled down and continued to play the the tainted players and retain the coach. And I think they're going to pay for that. That's the way I, I, I see it. But, you know, who am I? No, I agree with you. And I think that's exactly right. I think LSU got a hard 13 with $8,000 on the table looking at a 10 and said, I want to double. I mean, that's what it feels like. And that reminds me of a story. This is no shit. One time my uncle was playing blackjack and he was playing for a significant amount of money. And um, he was in Biloxi and he, he had a bunch of money out there and he had a hard 12 looking at a six. And my uncle is, he can be a bit of a, 
uh, gambler. So he, he said, I want to double. And so the, the dealer said, are you sure? And he said, yes, I'm sure. So the dealer yells out, double in a hard 12, double in a hard 12. And my uncle said, you know, why do you have to yell that out? I mean, why do you, why do you have to say, tell that to everybody? And my uncle's friend said, well, it's much nicer than saying, dumbass on seat six, table four, dumbass on seat six, table four. <laughs> Uh, but ironically my uncle hit a nine and uh the dealer drew to 20 so he won his money and it started a gigantic comeback but anywho um i don't think that's going to happen with lsu though lsu is looking at a 20 and uncle my uncle was looking at a six so it's a little bit different and um yeah will wade may be looking at will wade may be looking at 20 to life (laughs) that's a good point uh you know, what's that? Is it, was it Toby Keys? I'm not. I'm not a big country music guy. I'm. I'm not as good. Good. I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. I think that's, that's what the Keith. NCAA can do here. Yes, NCAA yeah. can do that here. Like, okay, we're not. We're not the NCAA of old, but we can damn sure screw you up one time. We can pick out one person we can screw up, and um, <laughs> if they want and this, it may be an issue. And look, I'm not necessarily cheering for that to happen because I have seen now that when you start doing that with especially the big fish in your conference, it, it sort of screws up your conference. I mean, if, you know, look, if they come down there and start sniffing around with LSU basketball, they're going to find something in football because everybody's doing something in football. Everybody's doing something in everything. Um, so I, I don't know that we want LSU to be in a boatload of trouble, but I wouldn't mind them being in a Tennessee situation where they can never – they. They have um, they're always pushing a boulder up the hill, and they can get just about to the top, and that's about it. And then they can't over the hump. Um, you know, this thing to be put under the jail, but I don't mind them having uh, a few uh, just dealing with a few rough spots here. Right. Well, a rough spot is probably coming. But, uh, man, they asked for it. I remember me and you in several of our podcasts while all that was going down, me and you questioning how in the world is LSU putting these kids on the floor? Why is Will Wade still coaching? Why are they making this decision? I remember at the time, me and you saying out loud, have they decided that they're just going to enjoy the wins and the trophies while they can get them? And then when the NCAA shuts it down, they go, well, it was fun winning the games. And, and then – and then they're going to lose for five or eight years. Uh, is, yeah. is that what they're doing? But but it kicks off a rant for me. And, uh, again, I think there's just always confusion over what what the NCA is. But I read all but, the but time. Save your rant. Save your rant for after my built bar read. Save oh, yeah, yeah. Because, that's, much, uh, that's, that's much more important. My rant's about built bar. If you haven't tried built bar yet, I'm going to call the NCAA on you. What's wrong with you? You're, you're breaking the rules, man. Go get Built Bar. They've got all kind of flavors that are absolutely delicious. Um, Jimmy and I have had them before. They're awesome. They fill you up, but they don't, like, weigh you down. They're, they taste – it's a lot like eating a Snickers that's good for you, and, and, it, and you know it so you feel better about eating it. Um, it it's fantastic. B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. Go check them out online. They've got this cool new video, too, about all their new flavors. And, and you know, they've sort of rebranded to a degree. But they didn't need to rebrand, if you ask me, because 
is always delicious. They didn't change the flavor. I don't care if they rebrand, just don't change the flavor. So go to builtbar.com, builtbar.com. Let them know you heard about them from the Locked On Network. Give me rant away. Well, first of all, those built bars are fantastic. We're not just saying that because they 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 advertise on our show and all over the Locked On Network. That's a legitimately really good product. And if you're interested in eating chocolate bars that aren't bad for you, it's a really good situation. It's a it's a delicious chocolate bar that's that's not bad for you. Uh, you should uh, check it out. But the rant is this, and and I see it mo- you know more from fans, but some from the media as well. The we have to get rid of the NCA. The NCA sucks. When are we getting rid of this thing? Well, what do you people want? You want literally no rules. Because getting rid of the NCA means literally no rules. That's crazy. There has to be rules, and there has to be an enforcement of those rules, or you have the wild, wild west, no matter what the rules are. Because the NFL has rules, they have a commissioner's office. The Major League Baseball has rules, they have the commissioner's office with the power to enforce the rules and sanction the rules breakers. The NCAA, need the uh, you know, college sports needs that, and you need the NCAA. Now, if you don't like how the NCAA does business and you want a, a simply a different rules enforcer, that's fine. But realize the NCAA isn't its own separate entity the NCA doesn't tell all the college presidents and athletic directors, this is the way we're going to do it, and if you don't like it, we don't care. No, the NCA are the schools. They are the university. They follow processes, procedures, and enforce rules created by the schools. So when they say get rid of the NCA, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. The NCA is the schools. It's the presidents. It's what they've all voted into place. And there has to be a rules enforcer to say you have to get rid of the NCA says you either want no rules or no rule enforcement, or you just simply want a different third party that creates the rules and enforces the rules. But isn't that third party also going to be created by the member schools themselves? So I just don't understand the get rid of the NCA. And I realize they make a lot of decisions, particularly when it comes to transfers and waivers that piss everybody off and nobody understands it. And I think that's because there's no transparency. Maybe some rules need to be changed so that there's more transparency in what the NCA is doing. And that way people will understand it a little better and be less upset. But uh, but that's my that, that's that's my rant. I, I think the NCA is going to do its job in the Will Wade case. Jimmy, in the words of Homer Simpson, you're close, but you're way off. And here's why I want to say that. That that. OK, I, I heard a story yesterday uh, or maybe two days ago from a friend of mine about uh, a head coach at, at a big power five school that we would all know. I'm not going into it because I was sworn to secrecy, so I'm going to be very vague. But the stories that were told to me were so disheartening in terms of that they sort of crushed my soul in terms of the way I feel about college football. Because if this school is doing these things, and and, and they, they seem to be complicit because this, the, as the story went, it wasn't just like one rogue coach doing things. It, you had to have the green light from people to do some of these things. And there had to be cooperation from folks even outside the school. Um, and 
it made me think to myself, self, I really hate it that I know how the sausage is made sometimes in college football because I want to just like college football, number one. Number two, so that's where I'm getting to with transparency. Like, you, everybody always is so interested in trans. I want to know exactly how you came to this decision. Well, see, the problem with that is that you, you can say, well, the reason I came to this decision is this. They go, well, what about this other situation? What about this? What about this? And, and you go, well, yeah, you're getting very nuanced and picky about it. I'm just telling you, you know, it's sort of like that senator who once said, I don't know how to define porn. I just know it when I see it. And I don't know how, I don't know what to say about cheating other than I know it when I see it. And if you're doing what Will Wade is doing, um, that's cheating to me, number one. Uh, yes. I don't know why I'm labeling all these things. I have no number system for this. Um, but my point is, I think what we need the NCAA to be, I get where people are tired of it. I do get that. Because the NCAA does feel like a toothless organization right now, even though they have all the teeth. They have the teeth. They just choose not to use them. They've got the teeth sitting in a glass jar by the bed. And um, so I think what we would all appreciate is if the NCAA said, look, okay, you know, Will Wade, yeah, technically we're not, maybe we're not supposed to have access to this FBI recorded tape or whatever. But we all heard it. And Will Wade, we know you're doing something. And we got together because now we, we have a definite, we're going to have a definite committee that gets together and says, okay, what is right about this? The optics on this are horrific. So what is right here? And the right thing to do is to say, that's fine, LSU. If you want to keep Will Wade, that's fine. You're not going to play in our basketball tournament until he's not your coach anymore, number one. And you can give a scholarship if you want to, but none of our member institutions are going to play you. So I think you instead of saying we're going to take away scholarships, say we're going to take away your ability to play other teams and to play for a championship. That's what you can do, something like that. But I, what I don't want to do is get get caught up in semantics. I don't want people like Will Wade getting off for a loophole. That's what I don't want. Um, who was the 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 guy that? Oh God, there was a guy in California. He he. Killed a few people. Oh no, the Boston, the uh, Boston Marathon bomber, just got off. Yep. Got it, it, it didn't One get of, off, but he got his his death penalty. Um, yeah, the younger brother, right? Of some because of some BS, something or another, some loophole. And I'm like, that's you know, this should be, this should be a thing where we go, okay, this guy doesn't need to be here anymore. We need to get rid of this guy. He's he's evil incarnate. Let's just get rid of him. He he does no good. Nobody any good. Um, and so Will Wade's kind of the same way to me. He's he's not doing anything but hurting the, the NCAA, the other SEC schools, um, and, and college basketball in general. Now, I also understand if there were if there were an LSU fan listening to this, they'd go, "What about T Towns Menswear?" I'm I'm going to say this, and this may ruffle a few feathers of Alabama fans. I don't like the way the T Towns Menswear thing looked. I don't like it at all, and I think that it should what it should have happened there. And maybe this is what happened because I haven't heard of it happening anymore. Uh, is that the NCAA says, okay, that yeah, maybe y'all found a way to make this happen, and and we don't have any evidence that, that anybody was paid. But this shit stops now, until you know when you get name, image, and likeness going. Okay, y'all can do this, but for right now, this stuff stops. And and I think that that that's 
that's how I look at that. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, it's just a, uh, and I don't disagree really with anything you said there. I don't disagree. I would just caution that, you know, I'm sure it's the lawyer in me, but the circumstantial evidence in the Will Wade case looks really bad. But but let's let's prove yeah. he's broken the rules before we we do death penalty type things to LSU. If they if if they prove that he broke the rules and LSU knew or should have known that they were breaking NCAA rules, then LSU should be walked. Because Alabama's been found guilty of, of, of what feels to me much lesser offense and was walked. So it's somebody else's turn in the barrel. No, I, and I'm with you on that, and there is that's the vengeful side of me. But the other side of me that goes, okay, if we could start right now and the NCAA do what the NCAA is supposed to do. And here's the other problem. While the NCAA is saying, hey, LSU, you, you are playing with fire, LSU, you know what the NCAA is doing? They're giving an immediate transfer for JT Daniels from USC to Georgia while they're denying Cade Mays from Georgia to Tennessee. They're giving uh, waivers to uh, Justin Fields because he, because he, I guess he felt there was a sense of racism on the Georgia campus. Yet they're they're not giving one to Joey Gatewood, who's like, look, I I, I just want to I just want to get out of here. I'm I'm not going to be the starter. The 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 chosen one in Bo Nix has come in, and I I want to go play. They gave one to Tate Martell because he didn't like the competition. I mean, I, they're making no sense with what they're doing with their waivers. So therefore, people have lost faith in them too. I think the waiver situation, and again, I, I, there's no way for me to know this. Who am I? I say all the time, but there's no way for me to know this. But I believe, what, what little I do know, I believe the waiver situation would make more sense to more people if there was transparency. I, I don't believe it's a coin flip. I don't believe that it's arbitrary. I think there is a system in place. Now, the system may be a bit flawed and in need of some type of, hey, we need to figure out how to do this better. But I believe that there is a system in place that they're using, and, and, and I believe I know what it is, but, and, and, and it would make more sense to people if it was transparent. But because it's not transparent at all, when you, when you don't have transparency, it lends itself to conspiracy theory. And we've never been in an era where conspiracy theories are more in vogue than right now. And, and, and the lack of transparency just feeds that stuff. And uh, I, I believe what's happening is simple. And, and it started about four or five years ago when the NCA went to the schools and said, look, we're, we're sick of ruling on this stuff. There's too many transfers. It's a transfer epidemic. We do not have time to go through 400 football transfers and 600 basketball transfers we can't look into the circumstances of all this. So, that, so, so this is what we're going to do if you're good with it. If the school doesn't object to the transfer, then we're, it's, it's done. It's over. If the school that the kid is leaving says, we don't care, then we're not investigating. We're just saying, okay, you're eligible. Exactly like apparently Alabama did with Talia Tungvaloa. Talia leaves. The NCAA calls Alabama and says, your kid's leaving. He's going to Maryland. Do you care? Alabama says, no. The NCAA says, shoot us a memo that says you don't care. And then Talia's eligible. When it gets held up is when they get the memo from the school that says, whoa, whoa, whoa. We do care. 
this is not fair to us. We're going to enforce the rule here. And at that point, the NCA does what they've always done, which is investigate and determine whether there should be a waiver or not. But I think well, I, I believe that's what's going on. And that's why the situations look wildly different. But we're never told whether there's an objection or whether there's not. We don't know as fans. So we're just left looking at what looks like a bunch of wildly inconsistent rulings when, when really it's, it's, it's just a different way of doing things. No, and, I, and I, there's part of me that understands. Because, see, Auburn plays Kentucky in the first game. So – I understand Auburn saying, like, hey, you know, we don't really want to play a dude that knows our system really well um, and has a lot of vengeance on his mind in game one, if you don't mind. I, I kind of get that. And that's why I've always said I think there should be a rule about you can't transfer to a team within the conference or a team on that team's schedule the next season. I've always thought that. But that gets a little complicated. Now, yeah. the, the, the other thing about – you know, not, you know, not objecting. Well, here's my problem. So USC says, oh, I, mean, I don't care if JT Daniels goes to Georgia. Right. And, but if I'm Tennessee, I'm like, hell yeah, I care if JT Daniels goes to Georgia. <laughs> I got to right. play them. And they're not, letting, they're not letting their guy transfer to me. So I don't understand that. Um, right. That, not that, right. Right. So but... there's, the, the, you just got to have a, the rule ought to be you get one freebie. And that's it. Yep. Or you sit out a year no matter what. I'm talking about grad transfer, all of it. I've always thought the grad transfer thing was kind of dumb anyway. Everybody's always said, well, he graduated. He should be able to do what he wants to. That's, that's not how that works. Just because he graduated, <laughs> you don't get to go play somewhere else because you that's what you think. I mean, I, I just don't feel like that's how that should work. Um, well, we're now, headed toward. We're headed toward. We're obviously headed towards that. I'm not a big fan of it myself, but I think we're headed towards everybody gets to transfer once. And 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 oh, yeah. and what it is is the NCAA is just overwhelmed with the numbers when it comes to the transfers because it used to not be like this when me and you were were growing up when me and you were in school. Uh, it, 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 there wasn't a transfer epidemic. Now it's a transfer plague. It's a transfer pandemic. I mean, there's just too many. The NCAA just doesn't have the personnel to, to deal with all the of the transfers. Why don't they have well, the personnel? I mean, where uh, is all this money that they're making on the basketball tournament going? Because why don't they have the personnel? Why don't they have four people? Jimmy, you and me and two other random dudes that listen to this podcast could get together and say, here's what we're going to do, NCAA. If you'll pay each of us, I don't know, 80 grand a year. 80 grand a year. That's not a ton based on what y'all have. Now, what we'll do is we're in charge of um, transfers. We're in charge of looking at, at, at each individual situation. Um, someone will be easier than others, but we promise not to take longer than a week on any of the situations. And if a school decides not to cooperate, it's kind of like not showing up to court. You're saying, okay, I, you know, if you say, hey, I, I don't want him transferring, and then we give you a week to give us the reason why, and you don't give us a reason, that's kind of like you not showing up to court and saying that, you know, dismissed or whatever. Um, I can fix this shit. I don't know why they haven't talked to us about this. This is genius. Have a committee for transfers only and use some of that basketball money that y'all bathe in every night. Yeah, I don't know where the basketball money's going. I just know where it's not going, and that's to podcasters. It's not going there. 
Other no, where it's not. going, I don't know. But it's not going to podcasters, and maybe it should, or maybe it shouldn't. I just know that it's not. All right, Jimmy, let's take a break. When we come back, we got a little bit of recruiting news to go over. So, Jimmy, Saturday, one Mr. Tim Keenan from Ramsey High School in Birmingham, Alabama, will be announcing his commitment, and unbelievably to me, I mean unbelievable, this has done a complete 190 as an old soccer coach, or old golf coach, I know you used to say. Um, complete <laughs> that's good. 190. A complete 190. I know, I, have that's, I never told you that story? No, no, but that's pretty good. That's more than that's, well, that's more than this yeah. guy. This guy, he's dead now, so I can talk about him. But uh, this guy was uh, the golf coach at a local junior college, and he, and they won titles all the time. And his trick was he would go on these recruiting trips to like Sweden and Switzerland and France or wherever, and he'd find the best golfer in all these other countries, uh, Australia. And then he'd get, you know, he'd get sponsors for the trip. So he'd go, he'd, he'd be free. And he'd tell the sponsor, yeah, I need another 5000 to get this kid home. He really only needed 2000 so he pockets that money. And then when the kid gets there, before the kid gets there, he's like, yeah, I'm going to put you up in this really nice place. You're going to get to stay here. And then when he gets there, it's a, it's a place that's about, you know, half of what the guy said. So he pockets that money. It's just on and on into the night. He was a bit of a squirrely guy, but they won national championships. Well, he always screwed everything up. Like, instead of utensils, he, he, he would always tell the waiter, where are my utilities? And they'd be like, hell, I don't know. What are you on, Alabama Power? I don't know what to tell you. Um, but one of his – he was trying to tell a story about uh, a putt that one of his kids missed for, like, the, the conference championship or something. He said, it hit the hole. And that thing, I swear, y'all, did a complete 190. And everybody was like, did you, did you have a protractor? What did you – how did you know? I mean, it was 10 degrees it's, off of a straight line? What the hell It's is that? very specific. It was very specific. <laughs> as well. That's why I was impressed. It's very specific. It was very specific indeed. That's the same guy. And I know I told you the story about when my dad told a joke. The guy started laughing. He, he leans down. He's laughing so hard. He hits his head on the table. It makes a knot on his head. And then as everybody's laughing about the knot on his head because he made such a fool of himself, the waitress comes around and gives everybody their drinks. And, and somebody else walks in and goes, hey, what's so funny? And he goes, well, I'll tell you what's so funny. Ricky told me a joke, and I thought it was so funny that I leaned over like this, and when he leaned over, he hit his head right on the glass, and it made a big circle around the knot on his head. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, it just, it's just some goofy Shellac City shit. But, um, anyway, so Tim Keenan, <laughs> to segue into oh, Tim Keenan. Yeah, Tim Keenan. Uh, my point was, is this has been a complete 190 because it, two weeks ago, I was led to believe, no, Tim Keenan, he's probably going to end up, he, you know, he could end up at Georgia, maybe Georgia, but could even end up at UAB um, because he may want to stay home, close to home, but he's probably not going to Alabama. Um, and now it seems like Alabama turned up the heat on him all of a sudden, and uh, Nick Saban loves the kid, apparently, and it looks like he's going to commit to Alabama. I, That's right. He's I done a complete 190. Yeah, he's done a complete 190. That's right. No, I don't think he's done a complete 190. I, I, I just wonder, here's, you know, like I said, when there's not transparency, it breeds conspiracy theory. So here's my conspiracy theory is that uh, Alabama doesn't have much room in terms of how many kids they're recruiting, how many spots they have left. Alabama doesn't have a lot of room. I'm wondering if Tim Keenan has gotten mixed signals 
from Alabama as to whether there is enough room. And maybe it took a while for Alabama to juggle and make some decisions. I'm wondering if that has led to, to a lot of, of what's going on, just, just, just how many Alabama have left. And uh, today uh, I'm going to project Tim Keenan sign him with Alabama. My confidence in that is only about 60%. However, it's not a full 100% or 90% or 80%. And I think it's a about how good the kid is. I think he's a good I prefer him at Alabama to Georgia, but I also understand. I mean, the numbers are the numbers. I know as fans, it's just so easy to be greedy and say, I want this guy, I want this guy, I want this guy. When you add Keenan, now there's two, three, four guys you want, you don't have room for. I mean, you can only yeah. take so many. That's what I start talking about really early. Even back, our first commitment was Anquan Barnes. And I remember when we took his commitment, we're talking about whether he's good or not. I said, this is a good player. He's an SEC. I'm glad we had. Well, with Anquan Barnes, I'm not picking on the kid. I'm not telling you he's not a good prospect. He is a good prospect. But I do think it's it's almost like a situation when you take Anquan Barnes early, you're sort of making a decision right then and there. Are we taking Barnes or are we taking Keenan? It didn't feel like that several months ago. But you get down to crunch time, and that really is the decision to make. Is it Barnes or is it Keenan? Because taking both is, is could mess up, you know. I think that's kind of the situation with Keenan is it's not about how good he is. He is a good prospect, but with three defensive linemen already committed, you're recruiting more defensive linemen. Do you have the room or, or do you not? And that's why every decision is so big. Even the decisions early about who you take, man, it comes back. It's complicated. It's tough. It's much tougher than, than most fans realize. And, but it's that type of decision that Nick Saban excels at. That's why he's the greatest that's ever done it. Yeah, and meanwhile, uh, William Parker got a crystal ball up to Alabama, the offensive lineman from the Nashville area, I believe. Um, listed as a three-star guy slash four-star guy, I think, on one site. Um, I find that interesting because Alabama is still certainly chasing Amarius Mims, even though that could be a pipe dream. A lot of people believe it is. Uh, some others believe it is most certainly not. And um, I just find it interesting. It tells me that, that Nick Saban – probably really loves William Parker a lot. Yeah, he might be more of a four or a five-star to Alabama just because he's a three-star on the services. That might not mean much to Alabama and the way they, they view the kid. Uh, but, again, it's just another it's another discussion of the numbers. Alabama already has four offensive linemen. Do you take a fifth? If you take a fifth, yeah, you don't turn away a Mims, but maybe you do turn away a Parker as the fifth guy. It's these types of discussions – that we enjoy here on the podcast, and it's very interesting for us to discuss. I can assure you it's the exact same discussion that goes on in the recruiting meetings at Alabama. Every meeting is about the room and the spots, and and, and, and do we go ahead and commit to taking this guy dependent on what's on the board and, and how many spots we have? It's, it's, it's a great conversation. It's fascinating. I would love to be a fly on the wall in terms of, of how Alabama reaches these decisions uh, that are so critical, but but they literally are the biggest decisions a program makes. Not whether to go for it on fourth and one, but do you take a William Parker or do you, or do you <laughs> save that spot for another position? And it is funny if you just if you go back and listen to podcast uh, this podcast from two or three weeks ago, may, maybe a little bit longer. We're talking about how you know this this class is going to be amazing, even though we're not going to have a quarterback. Well, now we have a quarterback. Um, 
we talked about, hey, there's no way we're going to take uh, Tim Keenan, and now we're probably going to take Tim Keenan. You know, it, it's the thing is fluid. It changes daily, and you're right. I mean, that, that board just, just moves all the time. Um, I'll tell you something. After this past weekend, I'm higher on somebody like a Rock Taylor than I was but before, uh, you know, before I'd seen him a little bit. I had seen him before, but he didn't didn't wow me like he did against Thompson. He looked like the one dude from Oxford who I know could play for Thompson. Everybody, and I know I know Oxford's got some other dudes on that team, and maybe they just right. you know they went up against a brick wall. But uh, Rock Taylor looked like he could play for Thompson and be a starter, and that's that is high praise right now. Um, so, I mean, this thing is, is a fluid situation. It changes all the time. Uh, Jimmy, that's going to do it for this podcast. You got something else? No, no. I was just going to say about Rock Taylor uh, as it relates to Alabama, and this is why I love recruiting. This is why I love evaluation. It's so fun. It's so difficult. But I'll tell you, the Alabama comp for me with Rock Taylor, and, and it's a compliment to the kid, and maybe Alabama's right 100% of the time, and I'm wrong, but, I mean, the guy I compare Rock Taylor to isn't somebody in this class, but last year, and that's Jaleel Billingsley. I mean, I would love oh, to yeah. watch side by side, side by side the film of Jaleel Billingsley and then Rock Taylor and see their exact measurables, and then you make a decision one or the other. Now, I realize they're in different classes, but I'm just saying Rock Taylor to me is a very good prospect, and in my mind, uh, really not much separates him and a Jaleel Billingsley. I know that's a very good comparison because Rock Taylor does. I mean, he's pretty, he's pretty filled out. I mean, he could be a sort of a bigger tight end. I don't think there's any, uh, there's any doubt about he's that. Thick. Right, he's thick. He's thick. It's just yeah, he's thick. He's he's thick like a tight end, but but he's not so thick that like Billingsley. Sometimes it's kind of hard to close your eyes and imagine him being a tight end. He, he's not quite that big either. So I mean, it's a uh, but a talented, skilled kid. As they say, thicker than a bowl of oatmeal. Um, that's a, that's a good line. I don't. I, I just like that. That is good. Um, all right, buddy. Roll tide. All right. Roll tide.